2: Radio Tony.
3: Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Radio Tony. It's a cold day with a howling wind in australia on this uh friday the 7th of june and obviously it's thursday the 6th of june in the u.s for those listening in in america um hi again to my wonderful technician rebel who keeps everything singing along in the background it's been a really busy this week week this week and my holiday in bali is already receding into the background of my mind This week, I've had three live interviews and a guest uh, and also coming up as a guest appearance on my friend Tom's radio show, also on this network at W4WN on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Before we get on to world news this week, just a quick reminder to pop onto my website, TonyLontis.com, T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S.com to see what I've been up to, the latest Podcasts of my show are available there, my blogs, and it's a way to directly cont- connect with me if you want to. You also can buy my book, ebook, or audio book um, on my website. I'd love to hear from you and know what your thoughts and ideas I I'd love to engage with my listeners on either the show via the gi- direct chat box or on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter as Tony Lontis. You can drop me an email at Tony Lontis. Author at gmail.com t-o-n-i-l-o-n-t-i-s-a-u-t-h-o-r at gmail.com our guest later today is the wonderful kim herman and we're going to talk about her transformational work and her latest study and insight into intuition um What's making world news across the day? The weird, the wonderful and the downright scary. And to start this week, just a little bit of a lighthearted bit of news from South Africa. According to news.com, a master mariner who oversaw the refloating of the Italian cruise ship Costa Concordia has a bold plan to fix drought stricken South Africa and it involves dragging an iceberg from Antarctica. A cold, bold plot to hijack an iceberg and tow it from Antarctica to South Africa could take place later this year. Sloane, 56, the professional mariner salvager, who recently oversaw the refloating of the capsized Italian cruise ship the Costa Concordia, said how he hopes to solve South America's water crisis by nabbing an iceberg from the South Pole. A severe drought in 2017 has led to Cape Town nearly running out of water, and it's this city that Sloan calls home. It still has restrictions of 70 litres of water per day per person. To get that into perspective, in a household of four, drinking the recommended two litres of water today, uh, plus uh, six toilet stops and flushes. That would leave approximately seven litres of water to shower, wash clothes and dishes, so not much water at all. He now plans to harness and tow an enormous Arctic iceberg and then convert it into drinking water. He said it would need to be a really big iceberg, some 500 metres wide, 250 metres deep and a kilometre long and it could weigh up to 125 million tonnes. He's reportedly assembled a crack team of glaciologists, oceanographers and engineers to bag the iceberg, and he's even secured funding from a group of financiers to fund his Southern Ice project. The entire mission is expected to cost upwards of $285 million, and although nabbing an iceberg might sound like theft, it's actually not a bad move. More than a hundred thousand Arctic icebergs melt into the ocean each single year, with freshwater icebergs effectively wasted in the sea, which could instead be used as a vital source of hydration and drought for drought-stricken nations. So, one of my listeners uh, says, uh, "I think he, he has in one mind, what's he going to do with the place they take it from?" Well, it's my understanding that icebergs are renewed all the time in um, antarctica so there would be an endless supply how he's going to actually get it to south africa unmelted and then convert it into drink water i'm not sure further to the u.s yes i agree i think it would, most of it would melt on the way to south africa on to further news lawyers for justine Demond's killer muhammad noor have made an unusual proposal for how he could serve his time behind bars ahead of his sentencing. The former Minneapolis police officer who shot dead Australian life coach Justine Rejevic damond has proposed an unusual sentence, including one week stints in, prison, in a prison workhouse to honour her birthday and date of death. Mohammed Nor, 33, faces a maximum 12.5-year prison sentence when he stands before Judge Catherine Quaintance in Minneapolis on Friday. Uh, after a jury convicted him in April of third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter, Nor suggests a pre-sentence filing uh, with the judge that he turned himself in to a low security correctional facility workhouse for a week on the date of Mr. Mon's death and the date of Mr. Mon's birth for the duration of his probation. If the judge does not agree nor suggest that he should be sentenced to a prison term of one year and one day, prosecutors are yet to announce their suggested sentence. Uh, One of my listeners' comments on our earlier uh, subject of the ice in Antarctica, and yes, it would seem that it would be a better way to find and collect water, but I believe that their rainfall is diminished and diminishing, so that's their number one problem. Appearing in the New Zealand Herald this week, a New Zealand uh, passengers got an incredible shock when an Air New Zealand flight leaving Auckland for Tahiti was struck by lightning, forcing the plane to turn around. The flight left Auckland, Auckland Airport at 6.10 on Friday local time as a thunderstorm was coming in from the West Tasman Sea bearing down on Auckland. The flight was bound for Puppetee in Tahiti. Passengers also reported on social media that the plane was dumping fuel on the way back to Auckland Airport. The pilot was calm and professional in handling the situation, one passenger tweeted. The large thunderstorm hit West Auckland around 7pm that night and many residents experienced heavy batting, a heavy battering of hail. Over to China. It's been 30 years since the bloody crackdown on Tiananmen Square protests. China's economy since that time has catapulted ahead, yet political repression is harsher than ever. 30 years since the Tiananmen Square protests, China's economy has catapulted into world rankings, yet their repression of their citizens is harder than ever. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims are held in re-education camps without charge. Student activists face relentless harassment and leaders um, in the beleaguered dissident community are locked up or have simply banished. Religious groups face an even greater pressure to conform and a web of mass surveillance is boistering a system many call totalitarian. It's far cry from the hopes of the idealistic student demonstrators and a level of control far beyond what many people imagined possible, even after their army's bloody crushing of the protests on the night of June 3rd and 4th, 1989. Critics say that the Tiananmen crackdown has left hundreds, possibly thousands, dead and set the ruling Communist Party on its present course of ruthless suppression summary incarceration and frequent use of violence against opponents in the name of stability maintenance. Uh, the incident is a terrible reflection in Chinese history and a narrative that the rest of the world looks on with dismay. In further news around China, Donald Trump is drawing out the U.S.-Chinese trade war, saying he won't decide whether to impose more tariffs on Chinese goods until after the G20. US President Donald Trump is continuing to prolong the trade war between the US and China uh, that has destabilised global stock markets, saying he'll delay any decisions until after the G20. Tensions between the world's two largest economies have risen sharply since Trump's aimed at ending a festering trade war broke down early in May. Meanwhile, in China, expert economists are urging the government not to catapult to Mr Trump's demands and denouncing America's bully boy behaviour. I actually think it's rather likened to two schoolboys trying to bully each other in the schoolyard with no thoughts or consequences for either's actions. In the US today, uh, recently, a 130-kilometre-wide blob thought to be a massive storm system, instead turned out to be something completely unexpected and bizarre. A mysterious blob that appeared on the US National Weather Service's radar wasn't a rain cloud or a storm, but a massive swarm of ladybugs. The bug mass appeared to be about 130 kilometres wide as it flew over San Diego County in Southern California. The ladybugs were actually spread throughout the sky, for flying at an altitude of between 15,000 metres and 2,700 metres, with the most concentrated group about 16 kilometres wide. Uh, One of the reporters said, I didn't think they were like a dense cloud, it was more like little specks flying around. It wasn't immediately known what type of ladybug was causing the phenomenon, but apparently these ladybugs migrate at higher elevations in early summer to find food. Across to Latin America, where murder rates are so high that life expectancy is dropping, according to journalist Ben Graham. A third of the world's murders take place in this region where only 8% of the world's population lived. And it's a grim population trend. The disturbing number of people being murdered in Latin America is now so high, it is dramatically reducing their life expectancy rates across the region. That's a terrible statistic indeed. Further to the US, deadly storms are still causing havoc across the US, with at least three people having died in tornadoes and flash flooding across America's South and Midwest, with more storms and rainfall expected. Please stay safe, my American listeners. A New Zealand team of scientists who DNA tested Scotland's Loch Ness for traces of a beast have found a surprising discovery. A group of New Zealand scientists hunting for Loch Ness monster have made a a surprising discovery. They collected DNA from skin, scales, feathers, fur and faeces left by a variety of creatures and sent them off for testing and analysis. Uh, He said the public would have to wait and find out what his team found as evidence, but he thought the preliminary findings were surprising and a Nessie myth was likely to endure. Mystery surrounds the death of Noah Proviton, who tried to be euthanized. The 17-year-old Dutch girl who reportedly was euthanized after being raped as a child actually died after refusing food and water. What a terrible story to have to report on from our wonderful people, uh, Dutch people. Across the world, D-Day celebrations have been in place this week with the silence and remembrance and respect nations honoured the memory of the fallen in a singular bravery, bravery of all... Allied troops who sloshed through bloodied water, landing on the beaches of Normandy. It's the 75-year tribute to the D-Day assault that doomed the Nazi occupation of France and portended the fall of Hitler's Third Reich. There was a huge celebration attended by many of the world's dignitaries to celebrate the allied forces win Prince Charles and his wife Camilla and UK Prime Minister Theresa May attended the service of remembrance um, which was held in Normandy uh, in Japan Japan's heat wave of July 2018 would not have happened without climate change uh, This uh, irrevocable conclusion was reported last week, um, and it was reported that uh, 1,032 people died into temperatures reached 41.4 degrees Celsius. The uh, huge heat wave is uh, related to climate change and has been attributed to rising sea level so before i head off to a break just quickly i'll be joining you soon with our wonderful guest today kim herman whose women's emotional mindset transformation has been wonderful to watch so over to you rebel and off to a break thanks
2: radio tony Bringing social consciousness, this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast Australia on W4WN.
3: Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book. From Australian author, Tony Lontis. Available in paper, e-book and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony. Experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read How Hope and Happiness Triumph in Her Life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers.
2: Radio Tony with Tony Lontis author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues. This is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on W4WN.
3: Keep the conversation going. Call Radio Tony. Hello? 561 623 9421 on W4WN. Radio guest Skype. Radio Tony on W4WN. Your safe space for tough conversations.
2: Radio Tony on W4WN. A platform for the unheard.
3: Resilience: Memoir of a Broken Little Girl Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with, exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN.
2: Your safe space for tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores.
1: And hello, welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning we have a wonderful guest with us, Kim Herman. Uh, Kim is a woman's emotional and mindset transformation specialist who guides women to change the story of their life and their beliefs around themselves. Kim is a licensed creatrix Transmologist, an intuitive guide trained with the Institute of Intuitive Intelligence and a woman's circle holder. After struggling with poor self-esteem and self-worth for most of her life, Kim has become a serial people pleaser, had become a serial people pleaser and perfectionist and wore the happy mask well. But at the age of 37, she found herself completely burnt out and an emotional wreck. She could no longer push down... Uh, The hurt and pain she had suppressed and it rose as anger. Her self-development and healing journey led her in many different directions and now she uses the tools that helped her most to help other women overcome their past, allowing them to create a life they love. Kim wants all women to know themselves as divine, unlimited goddesses. That they truly are, and that they are the author of their own life. So, welcome, Kim, and I apologise to all our listeners. We've had some technical problems, but I think we've got them all sorted out now. How are you, Kim? I'm very well, Tony. How are you today? Oh, I'm okay. I. It's always a little stressful when we have technical problems, but that's the way but that life is. It is, and we got there in the end, which We is did great. get there in the end because I can hear you <laughs> lovely, loudly and clearly now. Fabulous. So tell me, Kim, about your childhood and growing up.
0: Well, I guess for me, I grew up in a, a middle-class family in um, a suburb of Sydney. Yes. And it was, um, I guess... A relatively, from the outside, looked like a relatively normal childhood. Um, yes. My parents were both very hard working people. But it was a home that lacked a lot of emotional nurturing,
4: which uh-huh.
0: I guess for me as um, who I am was something I really needed. And yeah. I lived my life playing by good girl rules. I was a very yes. well-behaved girl. I did everything I was told. Yeah. My My father ended up in the military, so we had very strict rules in our house. There was a lot of expectations on how we were to behave. Uh And it kind of led me into this journey, I think, of always overachieving.
1: Ah, yes. (laughs) I
0: constantly never felt good enough. There was never praise. There was never celebration when I did anything well. And, you know, I noticed I had emotional difficulties as a teenager Uh um but for me I mean I was very lucky I had a lot of love came from my grandparents and I used to spend a lot of my weekends with my grandparents but at the age of eight we moved our family moved from New South Wales to Perth with my father's work so I lost that nurturing relationship and you know moving to a new state starting at new schools Yes. came with a whole new set of experiences that I think really impacted my self-esteem yeah um, I was bullied I felt like I never fitted in you know, there
1: was a lot of language yes. that we used differently in New South Wales that w- wasn't used here in oh, WA. I was say, <laughs> despite it's the same country of Australia moving New South Wales to Western Australia Western Australia is a little different than all the other states um, exactly. I'm not
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And this had a big impact on me, but I I just pushed it down and pushed it down and pushed it down and just wore the happy face that everything was okay when really it wasn't. And I think I remember at about the age of 13, 14, some of that emotion started coming at at anger, especially towards my parents. And I know that that's not an uncommon thing for teenagers to do. Yeah, yeah. It was quite severe to the point yeah. that my mum, I remember going to family counselling. I used to call it family torture. <laughs> oh, but, my goodness. But it was all about my anger was the reason why why we went. And yeah. I remember at one of those sessions my mum revealing the fact that she had actually been married before and I never had known that. And because oh, my relationship with my father was not a super fantastic relationship yeah. I instantly yeah. started thinking oh my gosh he mustn't be my dad maybe oh. that explains everything oh wow and we kind of I kind of you know ended up asking my mom a lot more questions and found out that my dad is actually my dad my biological father okay which in a way kind of hurt me even more because the relationship was so rocky and I couldn't yeah. understand why he couldn't show his love and exception of me openly yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that's kind of where it started for me and, and I guess that lack of self-esteem and self-worth yes. continued into teenagedom where you know I started making really poor decisions yes, and yes. attracting really unhealthy situations into my yeah. life so yeah. you know becoming sexually active at a very young age yeah. seeking that um love and attention in that way yeah. um attracting relationships that were abusive um yes. being forced into things where I didn't really want to do them yeah and in, at the end of the day that just aggravated my sense of yeah. self-worth it just this cycle kind of just began and it wasn't all bad I had some some lovely. Friends and some lovely boyfriends over yes. the time but yeah. you know there was a lot of situations where it was you know definitely unhealthy and further damaging to how yeah. I was feeling about myself
1: that um father daughter uh relationship uh is so important for girls isn't it I think it is too and just
0: as much as the mother relationship and yes. you know I kind of you know, didn't even really feel that empathy and support from my mother either. And it's, yeah, I don't hold anything against them. They, I know they loved me as parents, yes. and I yeah. kind of have sight now that they were doing the best they could. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it really, it, it, you know, looking back, I kind of surprised me how much impact it did actually have on me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what made you s- decide to study uh, neuropathy in the first place at the beginning of your, like, career? Uh,
0: so, so when I moved into naturopathy, yeah. So I used to work in corporate as a financial controller and uh-huh. I was very much in my masculine energy. Yes. But I, I had some health conditions of my own that... Yeah. And I found I was really questioning the doctors and wanting to get to the understand the reason why things were happening, not just mask it with a Band-Aid. Yeah. And this kind of led me down a path into becoming interested in natural therapies and the way they approached health. Yes. And I made the transition into that. Um, I guess I, I kind of ignited that part of me about wanting to help others heal. Yes. And um, so that's where that my journey into helping other people really began was was starting with naturopathy. Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Um,
1: so can you tell our listeners about what led you to being burnt out in your 30s?
0: Okay, so I was completing my naturopathy studies while I was still working full-time
1: uh-huh. as a financial
0: controller and I started having um, – children yes so I had met a wonderful I've got a wonderful husband and we started um, having children and so when I had my children I stopped working but I was still studying and so there was the physical side of burnout but I think emotionally for me I think for a lot of women when you have when you have a child you start reflecting on your own childhood Yes. And for me much. it was about I wanted to provide for my children what I didn't receive. So I was yeah. I put a lot of pressure on myself about being the amazing nurturing yeah. mother. Yeah. And mothering actually didn't come naturally to me and this was a bit of a shock. And And it
1: doesn't come yeah. naturally to everyone. Right. It's not <laughs> for some people motherhood is the not natural And you have to really work at it. And no one talks about it, do they?
0: Exactly. It was hard work. And I think when my second child, my daughter was around four years of age. I think a big protection mechanism for me with my emotions was being in control. And when you have two children, you realize you're not in control a lot of the time. Yeah, Yeah. yeah this is where i started to become overwhelmed i wasn't coping i was working at this stage three days a week in my naturopathic practice yeah and the emotions that i had suppressed for so long just started to surface that feeling that i um yeah i couldn't i wasn't in control of everything and it started displaying as anger and unfortunately that anger was mainly at my children and my husband. And I I kind of refer, I was a bit of a psycho mum and it was very (laughs) well hidden from the world. I would (laughs) yell at the smallest thing, like literally I would lose it over a glass of spilt milk and I would go into this rage and it was almost like this button, this switch switched on me and in my mind I could... I'd be telling myself this is wrong you shouldn't be behaving this way you're damaging yeah. your children but it's like I had no control it was like it just took a mind of its own yeah 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 and I could see the damage it was doing to my children and so that yeah. created shame it created guilt yeah. it created me I, I went into bouts of depression because yeah. I felt like I was failing as a mother yeah. and I'd I, There was a lot of self-loathing. I hated who Mm. I had become because it was everything I didn't want to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we often discover these things about ourselves in our 30s. I've found from talking to many people across the world that the 30s is a very transformational or can be a very transformational time in our lives, if we. Uh, but that's usually when that anger. I know it's the same in my life. In my 30s, I was very angry.
0: Yes, I think you're right. That that age, that that age period, it is very transformational for a lot of, a lot of women, and things start coming to the surface.
1: Yeah, and you and start it, having to deal with the childhood stuff that you've pushed to the back of your mind and it starts to come up as you, as anger, um, as you try and parent your own children, I found, and it sounds very similar for you, Kim. So what did you learn and discover during this period of time that helped you the most?
0: I mean, I'd always been into self-development, but this led yeah. into more. So, you know, I tried a lot of things, some counselling, um you know, I worked with a, a homeopath and other naturopaths. Yeah. yeah, and I think some of the biggest things I learned was about you know it's really our a, a responsibility if to yeah. be able to change ourselves, and we yeah. we're all capable of doing that. And yeah. I think I'd been stuck in a, I've been stuck in a mindset of being the victim. Of blaming my circumstances of blaming my childhood of um where really we need to you know take a step back and take ownership that you know what I don't like how my life is yeah what can I do to change it so it, it sent me on a journey of looking at a lot of things I'd tried um hypnotherapy and yeah. and NLP I'd worked with a tapping practitioner EFT practitioner yeah. and all these things contributed and made a difference to my mm-hmm. life as you know as well as spiritual healing but there was still so there were periods where I would be okay yeah but then when things got a little bit stressful and yes. over busy yeah I would just fall in this hole again and that yeah. anger would just rise up So, it was like the issue was still so deep, deep, deep in the core of me um, and hadn't
1: been able to be shifted, shifted properly. Yeah. So, is that about the time that you discovered Creatrix? It was. So, you know, this kind of went on
0: for quite a number of years and I'm fortunate that my husband still decided to hang around. And I, I stumbled across, I met a lady, pardon? He's a keeper then, isn't he? He is a keeper. Um, I'm very, very blessed and very grateful to have him in my life. But I um, I met a lady who was a creatrix um, transformologist and I yes. joined her group. Yeah. And, I, you know, I didn't join with any intention of working with her. I just was interested yeah. in what she was doing. And one day she played a video which was, a video of her before Creatrix and she described herself as an angry psycho mum as well.
4: Uh (laughs) And
0: I remember sitting there and just bursting into tears and there was just this light of hope that I could maybe – completely overcome this yeah um because I'd been working on it for so long and still felt like I wasn't getting anywhere and I was going around in circles and it was still controlling me so much and having such an impact on my life so it was yeah about three three years ago that I discovered Creatrix
1: yeah so can you tell our listeners about what Creatrix is I would love to share this with
0: you. So, Creatrix, it's a, um, it's kind of the easiest way to describe it is as a virtual reality type process that's yes. done with your eyes closed, which yes. allows allows you to unlearn your issues at the very root, so that then they can drop away, and then yeah. you're able to, in the process, access your higher wisdom, which replaces it and becomes yeah. your new truth. So it's a process that's been specifically designed for the way we as women work, the way our brains work, yes. the way we attach emotion to everything. Yes. And it's a holistic, quick and relatively painless and peaceful yes. process. And yeah. it just blew me away when I experienced it as a client. I was I I remember my first session clearly. Just sitting there, being quite, almost, in good shock. Just like, wow, what happened?
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. How did that do that? Yeah. Um, And it just transformed my life in such a quick space of time.
1: So, for our listeners, it like it changes something at a subconscious level.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes. Not really at a conscious level, but the work that happens in the subconscious changes your conscious world. Isn't Absolutely. that right?
0: Absolutely, totally. So it's working really deep at a subconscious level but using the conscious mind in the process also. Yeah. And it also aligns our head brain, our heart brain and our gut brain all yes. together. So that intuition, that gut intuition. So it's a totally aligned process for the client that's using everything so this allows us to release the issues not only in the subconscious but i believe at a cellular level as well because yes, yeah where energy you know science has shown that we're actually energy first matter second we yes. are made of energy yeah. and emotions and beliefs are just energy in motion yeah <laughs> again yeah. so it's energy so yeah. I think, you know, the process, it affects the whole body.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the process involves um, some some questionnaires to begin with to actually get to where you are now and yes. takes you to where you want to be in the future. Yes. Um, And again, the work happens at a subconscious level of your brain rather than your logical thinking brain level, but the results are impacted in your everyday life.
0: Absolutely. Yes, the paperwork's very comprehensive. I remember working with a lady once that had worked a lot with psychiatrists and psychologists and she was quite surprised how comprehensive the paperwork is and we really go deep in exploring you know what beliefs you have as as a creatrix and transformologist we just need to know what are the emotions you're feeling and i don't like to refer them to them as negative emotions but what what emotions are controlling you yes and what um beliefs are you having about yourselves because our beliefs about ourselves are so incredibly powerful. You know, when I yeah. look about that feeling of not being good enough, of not being worthy enough. Yeah. You know, when we believe that at our core, yeah. it really impacts the decisions that we make in our life.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you, we've said before that it's it, it's relatively painless. Is does the process result? Uh, in permanency, so so can you tell our listeners you no longer get angry all the time like you used to?
0: Absolutely, I don't. No, I mean I still get angry. Angry is a normal emotion, but That's it's right. It's appropriate. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. It's, and it's very short lived. It doesn't take over and control me. It no longer keeps me awake at night. You know, there were times where I would stew on stuff for days yes. and. Yes. Just be stewing on it, and you know that that no longer happens for me. And yeah. um, you know, when things do make me angry now, it's like you know, is I ask myself now, is this appropriate? Mm. And if it is, you know, I, I allow myself to feel that emotion short term, yeah. and then I, I move on and let go of it. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like you have this new sense of emotional intelligence um, yes. where you yes. handle situations a lot better yeah. and um you approach things with yeah a new level of you just see the world Insight. with a, from a whole new perception yes yeah. yes yes yeah, yeah. yes yes and so, the, and the and the great thing about it being so safe and yeah. relatively painless is it's extremely yeah. good for trauma it's extremely good for yes. um you know people that are
1: that PTSD. are
0: PTSD PTSD you know exactly, exactly.
1: yeah yeah so can you tell our listeners, before we throw to a break, just what sort of results you've been achieving for your clients using the Creatrix process? Sure, I would love to do that. I look,
0: I've had some amazing results for my clients. I had one lady who had suffered for ang- with anxiety that was controlling her life for 57 yeah. years. She had yeah. spent... She reckoned she'd spent close on between twenty dollars and $30,000 over the years on different programs and processes. Yeah. And, you know, through the program, you know, through several sessions, she yeah. was able to feel for the first time in her life yeah. what it was like to feel calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. was a bit of a shock for her because she'd never experienced it. And, you know, I've worked with women that have come from domestic violence, that have lost their self-worth. That You know, when I first start working with them, can't talk to me without crying. That, you know, within a few sessions, have their confidence back, have their self-worth back, are able to do things in their life for themselves, are able to just basically get on and live Mm -hmm. the life they want to live.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... It sounds like it's been very empowering for you um, learning how to deliver the Creatrix program, and conversely, it's been wonderful for your clients. Um, And so, those issues that you've dealt with are all of those things depression, anxiety, um, fear, uh, those sorts of emotions that have debilitated people to the point where they are no longer functioning well in the world is that correct to say yes ab- absolutely yeah. All, yeah. all of the above and even I mean I've even worked with
0: business women that are just finding it hard to take their business to the next level or do the things they want to do in their businesses due yeah. to the due to the beliefs they have about themselves due to the fear they have you know for yeah. some it fear of failing fear of being successful yeah. feeling like they're not good enough, fear of yeah. being judged, um, so many things um, yeah. that ha- can have such a strong hold of, over us. Yeah. When we're able to change that, they're just able to just move forward
1: and and, and feel, enjoy yes. a better version of themselves and a better yes. life because of those changes.
0: Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. it's amazing and it's so empowering it's so it's such an empowering process for the client because yes. they are actually doing the work in the process I'm never telling them what they should be thinking believing yes. feeling yeah. it comes from within them it's them it's their wisdom it's yes.
1: it's so it, it's a super empowering process yeah and it, it it seems to connect you to that higher level of emotional intelligence very quickly and easily
0: yes very very quickly and your whole vibration is just raised your vibration your energetic vibration is just on vibing at such a high level when you clear all of these low vibing beliefs and and emotions that you become stuck in
4: yeah yeah
1: so we're gonna have to throw to a little quick break with rebel but when we come back i really want to talk to you about your intuitive guide work so over to you rebel and we'll join back with kim after
2: a quick break thanks guys radio tony on w4wn a platform for the unheard
3: Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, e-book and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers.
2: Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Hello you,
1: welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning we're speaking with the wonderful Kim Herman and previously we've been talking about the creatrix process and it's a simple process that helps people Um, with their emotional issues and it brings around change in your life so further to that work Kim's also involved with intuitive guide work so Kim I'm wondering if you can tell us what intuitive guide work is
4: sure
0: I would love to share that with you so the last 12 months I've been studying with the Institute of Intuitive Intelligence training to be an intuitive guide yeah and the way that we're taught to be an intuitive guide through the Institute is that we're using non-local intuition. So we're strengthening our intuitive um, muscle to tune uh-huh. in with the clients that we're working with to help them move from fear to love. So uh-huh. we're tuning in to see what fears are lying in their subconscious that they may be not necessarily aware of. And helping m- remove that fear through their subtle anatomy, through their energy centres, through their chakras. Yeah.
4: Um,
0: we're exploring potential past lives where uh-huh. this issue may have stemmed from. Yeah. Um, and it's just a wonderful way in helping work with clients um, in, in recognising where that fear is stemming from and for be able to move that out and release it
1: yeah so in connecting with past lives did you find out about your own past lives
0: I have because obviously during our training we're doing a lot of practicing on each other and um some of them have been quite interesting Um, I don't remember them all but they are quite interesting so um Interesting because I'm I'm a very spiritual person and and yes. one of the big fears that was sitting in my subconscious because it was something that I never would publicly talk about and I kind of <laughs> kept to myself. Um, and spiritually, for me, I do refer to God, but I'm certainly not a religious person, so I'll, I'll make a distinct clear distinction there. But the the infinite, the universal energy to for me is God, and. One of the big fears I had was fear of being abandoned by God. And uh-huh. in that uh-huh. past life, um, I was a young boy that witnessed um, Moses burning the bush. Oh wow, and I yeah, and I ran back to share that with excitement to my family and um who laughed at me and uh-huh. told me that I was silly and I shouldn't be listening to any of that you know yes stuff. Yeah. so it's it's quite fascinating and working with clients you know i i trust what comes through i've learned to totally trust my intuition and what i see and sometimes i think oh my gosh what's this client going to think and you know after the process we have a little bit of a chat about it and so many of them are blown away and it resonates with them on such a deep level Yeah. um it's, it's fascinating work.
1: Yeah. So, what other past lives have you discovered in people? I'm, I'm really curious about the whole concept of past lives I mean, because. Some, some, sometimes we're, it can. Yep, go, sorry, Tony, go on. We're learning that um, trauma and the memory of trauma can be held in the cells of our DNA and passed from generation to generation. So that fits with that whole concept of elements of past life. So I'm very curious as to what you've discovered about uh, what sorts of past life uh, others have you found.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, and like like you just said, we have the inherited trauma that we may inherit through our ancestry. Which yes. epigenetic, the science of epigenetics is showing is is a real thing. But yeah. then we also have the aspect of have we lived past lives and yes. c- can we carry through trauma from those? And yeah. you know sometimes the past lives I see can be really simple, yes. everyday life situations. For uh-huh. example, I had a, a um one client that in the past life she was a young girl. You know back in you know it's obviously back in time but she was yes. from a very poor family but she was a very good ballet dancer and ah. she was awarded a scholarship to a dancing school and yeah. um she didn't feel like she belonged there because she came from a poor family and she tried to ha- hide her the fact that her family were poor and the other girls discovered it and made fun of her ah. and so there was a real feeling for this particular client of not feeling good enough. Um, uh-huh. So it can be, you know, really simple stuff like that. Yes. You know, I've had clients that have been, you know, priests in past lives. It, it, it's a range. It can be anything really.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's where your intuition comes into play. So you use your intuition to guide you to that that point in someone's past life is is that that how you use it
0: yes so one of the processes we do is a process called the method session and that includes the um the past life work but we also you know tune into this subconscious what is the underlying um belief or fear that's lying there that's that's yes. really wanting to come through how is that where is that sitting in their chakra system and how is that possibly affecting their physical body yeah um as well as emotionally we look at the past life and, and it is a really beautiful process where we actually integrate the lives um
4: uh-huh.
0: which is really healing and really beautiful for the client yeah. um, it's a, a it's it's a beautiful process and it can be quite an emotional one for a lot of clients.
4: Yeah. yeah. And
0: so, you know, through that session we go through all those layers. Yes. Um, and then at the end of the session I tune in to see what archetypal energy is working with the client and yes. and channel whatever messages
1: is coming through from that archetypal energy. Yeah. So can you talk briefly about archetypal energy and what archetypes mean?
0: Yeah, sure. So archetype um, is something that was, it's a psych- in psychology. Um, yes. They develop different archetypes. So we, in as an intuitive guy, I predominantly work with um, the feminine archetypal energy. So yes. examples of the feminine archetypal energy is You know, there can be the female child archetypal energy. We have um, the mother archetype, which is about nurturing and caring for others, but also can be about nurturing and caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's um, a teacher archetype, which is, you know, people fall in that when they're in a a mode where they want to teach people. Yes. And then we have the amazing, beautiful energies of the, the priestess or the goddess.
4: Yes. Yes. The,
0: yes. Um, you know, there's the healer archetype, yeah. the crone, which is the wise woman archetype, which is very uh-huh. comfortable in her own skin and yeah. very yeah. about, you know, going inward and exploring herself inward and being there yes. to give wisdom to others. Uh-huh. So there's, yeah, amazing archetypal energies that are here supporting us all. And they come and go depending on what's going uh-huh. on in our life, you know, we have the warrior archetype that may yes. present when we feel like we're having to stand. Yeah, battling or stand yes. up for ourselves. And all archetypes have a shadow or, and a positive, a light side to them. Okay. So, you know, for example, I was probably very stuck in the shadow of my warrior archetype with, okay. the, ang- with the anger. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, and fighting the world and... Yeah. And everything, so um, they're, they're truly fascinating. And, and the women yes. I work with really love yeah hearing those messages and exploring and what connecting I mean. with those um, archetypes. Sometimes the messages come through just as what the type of archetype or energy that's there, and sometimes yeah. I will actually get the names of particular people or, or cool. goddesses or whatever that yes. represent that archetype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really beautiful as well oh
1: wow so this intuitive guide work that you did you did through the institute of intuitive intelligence so is that um like a a training college and do they just do uh courses on intuitive intelligence is is that my understanding Mm. correct
0: Yes, so the the Institute of Intuitive Intelligence is based in Australia. It's run by yes. the amazing Ricky Jane Adams, and she um we do they do have students from around the world, and she uh-huh. basically there's several courses that she offers, but she teaches yeah. the science of intuition yes. and how we can develop our intuitive intelligence. Yeah. And intuitive intelligence is about trusting our intuition. Yes. and being able to actively live on that so yes. not just i guess for me as a mist because i'm a modern day mystic i don't yes. i use my intuition in everything i do so it's not yes. just when i'm working with clients i've learned mm-hmm. to listen to my intuition in my everyday life and learn yes. to trust and follow that and i just let go of the expectations and trust yes. that I'm being led to do what I'm meant to do in my life yeah um so you know throughout the course she's helping teach develop that and developing spiritual leadership as well Uh and I think the aim of the institute is to mainstream intuitive sciences and to help reunite people with their spiritual self-esteem because we all have this ability it's not It's not the chosen few. It's not a gift. Everyone has the ability to access this.
1: And is it the same across women and men? Because I know that that women are generally thought of to be the more intuitive, but men can have intuition as well, can't they?
0: Certainly they can. Look, the Institute generally works only with women. Okay. Um, so, but I, I agree with you there are men men can do have intuitive ability, but I think it's way more innate and a lot stronger in women. In women. I think it's a very powerful tool and connection that we have. yes is our, with our intuition. and yeah. and I know the studies that the Heart Math Institute have done with regards to institu- um, intuition, yeah. in connection to our heart brain. It, that it is stronger in women, and women actually uh-huh. have twenty five percent more connection between their heart brain and their cranial brain. And you okay. know, in the institute, we actually connect with our intuition through heart coherence and yeah. being able to open our heart and connect. Yeah. Connect yeah. from that place.
1: Okay, so so I I am correct in assuming that it's predominantly a, a female uh knowledge i guess that men can't readily tap into
0: i think they can i think i think that i think men have access to but i think women are just more in tune with it than men men have intuition i think yes yes but i just think it's more readily accessible and more innate in women yes
1: Yeah, yeah 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 okay so um I know that you're also a women's circle holder, so I'd love to know more about what that is and what it means.
0: Yes. So, look, look women women's circles are something that have happened for centuries and yeah. I think as society we kind of lost it. And I got introduced to circles a little over two years ago yeah. um, where I joined an online circle. I was a little bit reluctant, um, yeah. but I felt the calling to join Mm-hmm. And it's just where we connect, collect with a group of women and it's a yes. space, a space where you can openly share what you're feeling, how you're going with no judgment, with no advice, mm-hmm. where you can safely as a woman be heard for who yes. you are to be able to just be yourself and yeah. to be in a space where you're just held not only by myself as a circle holder, but yes. you're kind of held by the other women as well. And yeah. it's such amazing alchemy that takes place, you know, yes. in circle because a woman will have the courage to share something and it's amazing how many other women will go, oh, my gosh, I thought I only felt like that. Yeah, yeah. And healing comes from that. Yes. Um, that sense of feeling connected with other women. I think we live in a society where even though we've got Facebook and Instagram, we've become so dis-
1: disconnected. Yeah. Um, that and humans are hardwired for connection. Absolutely. So humans, part of our being is to be connected to others and in this fast-paced, busy world we lose that ability to connect sometimes so your women's as a woman's circle holder you're bringing women in particular back to that connection to each other
0: absolutely back to connection with each other but back to connection within themselves so during a circle i will use meditations or guided um visualization journeys to help them connect deep within themselves to access their innate wisdom to access you know if they've got questions they want a- answered to encourage them to be able to access and find the answers within themselves so yeah yeah it's connection with the other women but it's connection with themselves as well because i think we've yeah. become very disconnected with ourselves and mm-hmm. and it's the alchemy between the women allows such deep I don't know. It's like that—that that healing energy as a group. Yeah, it's just—it's yes. just able to shift stuff at at, at such a greater level and bring it to
1: light with so much more ease. So, um, essentially, it's it's about a compassionate, safe place for people to unload and talk about um, things that they might be experiencing and things that they might need to. Connect to others to talk about.
0: Exactly, and it's okay. it's, it's about feeling safe to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's about being safe to be open, and yeah. to not necessarily I mean, one of the rules we have in circle is not to give advice. Unless, okay. Um, you can talk from experience. Like if yes. you've experienced the same, you could yeah. talk from your experience, but to not give other advice. And you know, for some women, just being able to be heard. Yes. is means so much for them to yeah. be able to
1: just be heard. Yeah, because still in this day and age, many women have lost their voice um, and have lost their ability to say what they need to say. So it's very valuable work if they can go somewhere and say what they need to say yes. um, without fear of being... Um, handed down or have negative feedback exactly and that would enable them to to get it off their chest I guess you could say yes yeah. yes yeah so how often do you hold the women's um circle groups
0: so uh, I'm currently offering an in-person circle uh, once a month um, okay here in Perth, yeah. but I, you know, in the future, I'm exploring the possibility of doing some online circles as well.
1: Okay. So, yeah.
0: um, because even though it's online and we talk about connection, it's still, you know, we do it via yeah. Zoom. It still can, it still yeah. is a very connected experience. So, yeah. Um, yeah, once a month at
1: this stage. Yeah. And is it like an hour or a couple of hours out of people's time? Like, Yeah, so I usually run my circles for a couple of hours. Yes.
0: Yeah. So we keep the, the we keep the size of the group relatively small and intimate. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone yeah. has the time and space, no one feels rushed. Yeah. Um, you know, there's time for silence and pondering and whatever's needed.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a wonderful service to provide for the women of, of Perth and um I'm I'm glad that you're doing that. So how do you think having knowledge, understanding and education of all these different modalities, how do you think that has enriched your life and your family's lives?
0: Look, I think for me, look, it's just made me feel so empowered and knowing that I am literally, I am the creator of my life and when you take responsibility for yourself, when you... Invest in yourself in dealing with your stuff. Yes. When you adopt practices and rituals into your daily life that help you yeah. connect with the infinite that's available to us all. Yeah. Life is, can only ever, I don't know, it just flows easier. And that's not to yes. say that every day is perfect because life yeah. happens and stuff yeah. happens in life, but I trust when things when there are hiccups in life or things that are not great, I've learnt to now just trust in what's that happening. That meant to be. Yeah, and, you know, I, I really follow that, you know, if, is there something I can change about it? Well, no, well, then I need to accept it. If yeah. there is something I can change about it, well, what can I do about it? Yeah. And yeah. Um, really being able to live from a place, I guess, of inner peace, there's less yeah. turmoil. And, I mean, the on-flow effects of that to my family is yeah. massive. The kids now have yes. a much happier mother and I'm um, able to be the nurturing mum I want to be. They yes. do think I'm a bit woo-woo and a bit strange sometimes, but that's totally <laughs> okay. You've got teenagers, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I have got yeah. teenagers, so that's totally okay. And I kind of know one day they will say, Mum, you know what? That stuff <laughs> you told me about, you were right. So I kind of yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, the relationship with my husband has allowed me to be at a much deeper level. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I just. Hubby's doing
1: similar work now, isn't he?
0: Yeah. So my husband's trained in the men's version of Creatrix, which is called Innovatrix. So it's similar but different process. So he works with men helping. with their emotional issues, and which is yes. fabulous as well. So yeah. we're kind of connected on a whole different level. And yes. you know, I just love being able to teach women and empower women. Yes. That that they have that power within themselves as well. Yes. That they're not yes. the victim. That they're not. That they can have and create the life they want.
1: And they're not the product of their childhood or their trauma. Yes, exactly. Or their that,
0: exactly, that their past doesn't define them. Yes. That it's not who they are and, it, and yeah. that the beliefs they have about them, the stories they tell about themselves, yeah. that they're not true, that we are, live yeah. in a world where we all have unlimited potential available to all of us. And this has yes. been proven in scientific experiments that we yeah. have this that when we are able to be open to that and come yeah. live yeah. our life in a place of love, not from a place of fear, yeah. we're able to attract more of those things that we want in our life into our
1: yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kim, I know that I need to get you off the radio now because you have to go and prepare for a full day of wonderful client transformations I have really enjoyed talking to you today and I know that our listeners would have gained some wonderful insight into the Creatrix process um, and in your intuitive work. So, at the end of the show, for those listeners, I will put up Kim's details on and her email so that you can get in touch with her if you're interested in those creatrix processes or her intuitive work um, so that you can email her directly. And, Kim, thank you very much for coming on Radio Tony this week. It's been a pleasure having you. I'm so sorry that we've had a few technical issues earlier in the day. But I now I'll let you go so you can enjoy your wonderful day. And thank you so much, Kim. Over to you, Rebel.
0: Thank you, Tony. Bye, Kim.
3: Keep the conversation going. Direct Assistant. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561 623 9421 on W4WN Radio Guest Skype. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty, on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Launtis, Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN.
2: Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Radio.
5: can I have a moment before I go? Cause I've been by myself all night long, hoping your so. So I was so scared to face my fears cause nobody told me that you'd be here
3: conversations and bringing hope to listeners, live from the Gold Coast Australia on W4WN.
1: Welcome back everyone, you're listening to Radio Tony today and we've been speaking to a wonderful guest, Kim Herman, about her work with Creatrix and her intuitive work. So alongside from that, this week I spoke earlier about Japan's heatwave and I thought this week I'd talk a bit about climate change and the subject whether uh, people think that climate change is real or imagined. On the back of last year's Japan's uh, heat wave, where in July 2018 the heat wave killed 1,032 people, it saw temperatures reach 41.4 degrees, the highest temperature ever recorded in that country it also suffered from torrential rains which triggered landslides and the worst flooding in decades one of japan's uh scientists uh, did a study into this heat wave and is the first to establish that some aspects of that heat wave could not have occurred in the absence of global warming And they reached this conclusion by employing a technique known as event attribution. It's a relatively new method. um, And they sought to pin down the casualty of climate change in the heat wave by simulating 18 climate scenarios with and without the current one degree global warming above pre-industrial levels. found a one in five chance of that heat wave occurring in the current climate but also no chance in a climate unchanged by human activity. So I thought that that would be an interesting point in which to start a little discussion about climate change. And so um, I thought that I'd like to engage with our listeners and see what their thoughts are. And whilst I do that, I'll just give you a bit more information. So the Earth's climate has changed throughout history. Just in the last 650,000 years, there have been seven cycles of glacial advance and retreat with the abrupt end of the last ice age about 7,000 years ago, marking the beginning of the modern climate era or of human civilization. Most of these climate changes are attributed to very small variation, variations in the Earth's orbit um, that change the amount of solar energy our planet receives. The current warming trend is of particular significance because most of it is extremely likely to be the result of human activity since the mid-20th century. Um, the likelihood or the probability is around greater than 95%. So it's unprecedented over the last decades in the millennium. Earth-orbiting satellites and other technological advances have enabled scientists to see a bigger picture. It's enabled them to collect many different types of information about our planet and its climate on a global scale. This body of data collected over many, many years reveals the signals of a changing climate. The heat-trapping nature of carbon dioxide and other gases was first demonstrated in the mid-19th century. Their ability to affect the transfer of infrared energy through the atmosphere is the scientific basis of many instruments flown by NASA. There is no question that the increased levels of greenhouse gases must cause the earth to warm in response. So the scientists are saying that that is a given, according to scientific studies. Ice cores drawn from Greenland and Antarctica and tropical mountain glaciers show that the Earth's climate responds to changes in greenhouse gas levels. Ancient evidence can also be found in tree rings, ocean sediments, coral reefs and the layers of sedimentary rocks. This ancient or paleoclimate evidence reveals that current warming is occurring roughly 10 times Faster than the average rate of ice age recovery warming. The evidence for rapid climate change is compelling. Um, so, one of those aspects is the global temperature rise. The planet's average surface temperature has risen about 1.62 degrees Fahrenheit or 0.9 degrees Celsius, since the late 19th century, a change driven largely by increased carbon dioxide and other human-made emissions going into our atmosphere. Most of the warming has occurred over the last 35 years, so that's in my lifetime, um, has been when these uh, things have occurred with the five warmest years on record taking place since 2010 so that's in the last 10 years not only was 2016 the warmest year on record but eight of the 12 months that make up the year from january through to september with the exception of june were the warmest on record for those respective months the change in global surface temperature relative to 1951 to 1980 uh, average temperatures um, uh, shows 18 of the 19 warmest years have occurred since 2001, with the exception of 1998. The year 2016 ranks as the warmest on record ever. This research is broadly consistent with similar Constructions prepared by the Climate Research Unit and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, along with NASA. The oceans have absorbed much of this increased heat with the top 700 metres of the ocean showing warming of more than 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1969. Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets have decreased in mass. Data from NASA's Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment show Greenland has lost an average of two hundred eighty six billion tons of ice per year. That's two hundred eighty six billion tons. Of ice per year between 1993 and 2016 while the antarctica has lost about 127 billion tons of ice 127 billion tons of ice per year during the same period the rate of the antarctica ice mass loss has tripled in the last decade so knowing all of those statistics i find it interesting that people would still think that we are not experiencing some sort of climate change glaciers are retreating almost everywhere around the world and that includes in areas of the alps the himalayas the andes the rockies alaska and africa Satellite observations reveal that the amount of spring snow covering in the northern hemisphere has decreased over the past five decades, and that snow is melting earlier. Global sea level rose about eight inches in the last century, so that's the sea level across the whole world has risen eight inches inches in the last century so those things cannot be debated they are actual and real fact the rate in the last two decades however has nearly doubled that in the last century and is accelerating slightly every year that's really not good news for places at lower sea level like the Maldives um, who are extraordinarily vulnerable to sea level rise. I know closer to Australia that areas such as the Solomon Islanders uh, have experienced a loss of some of their islands into the sea already. Both the extent and the thickness of Arctic ice sea ice has declined rapidly over the several last decades. The number of record high temperature events in the United States has been increasing, while the number of record low temperature events is decreasing. The US also witnessed increasing numbers of intense rainfall events. Since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the acidity of the surface ocean waters has increased by 30%. This increase is a result of humans emitting more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and hence being absorbed into the oceans. The amount of carbon dioxide absorbed by the upper layers of the ocean is increasing by 2 billion tonnes per year. Scientists attribute the global warming trend observed since the mid 20th century to the human expansion of the greenhouse effect. What does the greenhouse effect mean? It's the warming of the atmosphere that traps heat radiating from the Earth towards space. So there's a layer around the Earth that traps heat around the earth and stops it escaping into space. Certain ga- gases in the atmosphere block the heat escaping. Long-lived gases that remain seemingly permanently in the atmosphere and do not respond physically or chemically to changes in the temperature are described as forcing climate change. Gases, such as water vapour, which respond physically or chemically to changes in temperature are seen as feedbacks gases that contribute to this greenhouse effect include water vapor nitrous oxide carbon dioxide and methane so water vapor is the most abundant greenhouse gas but importantly it acts as a feedback to climate water vapor increases as the earth's atmosphere warms but so does the possibility of clouds and precipitation, making these some of the most important feedback mechanisms to greenhouse effect. Carbon dioxide, a minor but very important component of the atmosphere, carbon dioxide is released through natural processes such as humans breathing, animals breathing, trees breathing, volcanic eruptions and activities such as deforestation, land use changes, and burning of fossil fuels. Humans have increased carbon dioxide concentration by more than a third since the Industrial Revolution began. This is the most important, long-lived forcing of climate change. The other gas involved is methane. A hybr- it's a hydrocarbon gas produced through natural sources and human activities, including the decomposition of waste in landfill, agriculture, and especially in rice cultivation, as well as ruminant digestion. Ruminant digestion refers to, in effect, cows and how they digest their grass that they eat, um, and it's basically associated with domestic livestock. On a molecule for molecule basis, methane has far more active greenhouse gas uh, gases than carbon dioxide. is also one of the most uh, less abundant in the atmosphere. Uh, nitrous oxide is a powerful greenhouse gas produced by soil cultivation practices, especially the use of commercial and organic fertilisers, fossil fuel consumption, nitric acid. Production and biomass burning. Chlorofluorocarbons are synthetic compounds entirely of industrial origin, used in a number of applications but now largely regulated in production. They release into the atmosphere um, and produce an increased greenhouse effect and contribute to the destruction of the ozone layer and the ozone layer is what protects our earth's atmosphere so uh mars uh, has a very thin atmosphere nearly all carbon dioxide Because of the low atmospheric pressure and with little or no methane or water vapor to reinforce the weak greenhouse effect, Mars is largely has a frozen surface and shows no evidence of life. In an effect where there's too much greenhouse effect. The atmosphere of Venus, like Mars, is nearly all carbon dioxide, but Venus has about 154,000 times as much carbon dioxide in its atmosphere as Earth, producing uh, a greenhouse effect and a surface temperature hot enough to melt lead. On Earth, Human activities are changing the natural greenhouse effect, which protects us. Over the last century, the burning of fossil fuels like coal and oil has increased the concentration of atmospheric carbon dioxide. This happens because the coal or the oil burning processes contribute, uh, combines with carbon with oxygen in the air to make CO2. To a lesser extent, the clearing of land for agriculture, industry and other human activities has increased concentrations of greenhouse gases. The consequences of changing the natural atmospheric greenhouse is difficult to predict, but certain effects seem very likely. On average, the earth will become warmer. Some regions may be, may welcome warmer temperatures, others may not. So if you're already living in a desert uh, environment, the likelihood of warmer uh, earth changes is not great. Warmer conditions will probably lead to more evaporation and persi- precipitation overall, but individual regions will vary, some becoming wetter, others becoming drier. A stronger greenhouse effect will warm the oceans and particularly melt glaciers and other ice, increasing the sea level. Uh, ocean water will expand if it warms, contributing further to sea rise. Meanwhile, some crops and other plants may respond favourably to increased atmospheric CO2, growing more vigorously and using water more efficiently. At the same time, higher temperatures and temperatures and shifting climate patterns may change the areas where crops grow best and affect the makeup of our natural plant communities. So what role does human activity play in all of this? The industrial activities of our modern civilization depend upon having raised atmospheric carbon dioxide levels. Um, It's concluded that 95% probability is that These human-produced greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, methane and nitrous oxide, having caused the observed increase in Earth's temperatures over the last 50 years. So other things that are impacting on global surface temperature includes the sun's activity, something we probably have no control over. But the amount of solar energy received by the Earth has followed the Sun's natural 11-year cycle with small ups and downs with no net increase since the 1950s. Over the same period, global temperature has risen markedly. It's therefore extremely unlikely that the Sun has caused the observed global temperature increase. And NASA has deducted that by studying the Sun's activity. It's reasonable to assume that the changes in the sun's energy have had little effect on our climate change. Uh, indeed, studies have showed that solar variability um, has played a role in past climate change but is not linked to this climate change. So what can we do? NASA is an expert in climate and earth science. While its role is not to set climate policy or prescribe particular responses or solutions to climate change. It does, however, provide robust scientific data needed to understand climate change and evaluate evaluate the impact that it has on the earth, and also to comment on the efforts we use to combat climate change. NASA makes uh, this information readily available to the global community, um, via NASA's website, the following um, resources from the U.S. government organizations provide information about options for responding to climate change. Climate change is one of the most complex, ex- one of the most complex issues facing us today. It involves many dimensions across science, economics, society, politics, moral, and ethical questions. And it's a global problem felt all over the world. Um, And it will be around for decades and centuries to come. Carbon dioxide and the heat-trapping greenhouse gas that has driven recent global warming lingers in the atmosphere for hundreds of years. And the planet takes a while to respond to the warming. So we may not even actually be seeing Earth's response to global warming and the current global climate change environment. So even if we stopped emitting all greenhouse ha- gases today, global warming and ch- climate change would continue to affect future generations. That this is going to impact on our children and our children's children. We might may not see the result, but our children will. In this, w- this way, humanity should be committed to some level of climate change. So how much climate change do we need to do like what can we do to assist future generations in relieving this problem before it becomes something of a bad legacy that we've left to our children's children So number 1 we can reduce emissions and stabilize the levels of heat trapping greenhouse gases in the atmosphere And secondly, we can adapt to climate change that's already happening. So by reducing the impacts of climate change, it involves reducing the flow of heat-trapping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, either by reducing the sources of these gases, so that's stopping burning of fossil fuels for electricity, heat and transport, or enhancing the things that, Absorb the gases such as the oceans, forest, and the soil. Um, if we are able to stabilize greenhouse gases levels in a time frame sufficient to allow ecosystems to adapt naturally to the climate change, this will ensure food production is not threatened and enable economic development to proceed at a, in a sustainable manner. If we adapt life in a changing climate, we need to adjust our expectations of the future climate. The goal is to reduce our vulnerability to the harmful effects of climate change like sea level rises, intense and extreme weather events and food security. It also encompasses making the most of any potential beneficial opportunities associated with climate change. For example, longer growing seasons, which could be good, and increased yields. So those are the good things that come of this whole climate change conversation. Throughout history, people and societies have adjusted to and coped with changes in climate and extremes with varying degrees of success. Climate change, drought, Drought, in particular, has been at least partly responsible for the rise and fall of certain civilizations. Earth's climate has been relatively stable for the past 12,000 years, and this stability has been crucial uh, for the development of our modern civilization and the life as we know it. Modern life is tailored to the stable climate we have become accustomed to. As our climate changes, we have to learn to adapt the faster the climate changes the harder it could be while climate change is a global issue it's often felt on a local scale cities and and uh, countries are therefore at the front line of adapting to climate change in the absence of national or international climate policy directions, cities and local communities around the world have been focusing on solving their own climate change problems. They're working to build flood defences, they're planning for heat waves and higher temperatures in storing water permeable pavements to better deal with floods and stormwater water, and improve water storage and use. According to a 2014 report, the United Nations Panel on Climate Change said that climate change is starting to be factored into a variety of developmental plans on how to manage extreme disasters, how to protect our coastlines, how to deal with sea level encroachment and how to best manage land and forests, how to deal with and plan for reduced water availability and how to develop resilient crops Varieties and how to protect energy and public infrastructure. NASA has been heavily involved in these conversations um, and have they have provided robust scientific data needed to understand climate change. Their climate experiments, ice and cloud land elevations, their satellite missions, their radar instrument. In, instruments in space, have shown rapid changes in the Earth's great ice sheets. NASA makes detailed public climate change data available to the global community. The public policy and decision makers and the scientific and planning agencies around the world should use this information to develop their own strategies and policies around climate change. It's not NASA's role to set climate change policy or prescribe particular responses or solutions to climate change, but they're part of the worldwide group of uh, agencies providing information that helps us understand climate change and what it means for the Earth and the world. They started doing this major work of monitoring carbon in the Earth's atmosphere in 2010. And this initiative uh, established under the US government uh, is improving monitoring of the global carbon stocks where carbon is stored around the planet um, and how it's cycled. The ultimate goal is to make breakthroughs in understanding and predicting how the worldwide carbon sources and the sinks where the carbon is absorbed uh, work. Uh, since this could have major ramifications on our planet and will respond to the increasing emissions and efforts in a, con- in a battle to combat climate change. The work will also help inform uh, those people making policies and planning decisions around the world. At present, the focus of some of these pilot projects uh, is to sample the air around major cities such as Los Angeles and Paris. Um, they want to add more cities around the world and ultimately deploy a worldwide urban carbon monitoring system that enables local policymakers to make decisions based on the amounts of carbon in their major areas of concern. Um. NASA's main focus is not on energy technology research and development. Work is being done around this agency and others uh, to find alternative sources of energy to power our needs. These include the use of waves, wind, sun and biofuels in preference to coal and oil. So in finalisation, it's not whether you believe that climate change exists because the evidence and the scientific data would suggest that it does so it's around developing a mindset that enables us to have open conversations about what we're going to do to protect uh, the next generations and the next generation's children Um, it won't matter to us but it will matter to them So that's about all I have for this week. Um, Thank you very much for listening. I look forward to joining with you all next, uh, next week on Radio Tony. Thanks so much, Rebel. Over to you.
3: Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery.
2: Radio Tony. A platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of *Resilience*, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio, 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 Tony. Tony, Tony. Radio Tony.
4: What you free?
2: Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. We're the rebel,
3: yeah. Radio Tony
2: back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time live from the Gold Coast Australia.